0: Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through.
1: Because being boss is hard. Lending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy.
0: But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable if you do the work.
1: Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Welcome to episode 26 with our guests, Lisa Congden and Clay Walsh. This episode is
0: brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. All right, bosses, if you all don't know Lisa Congden, you're in for a treat today. Lisa is a full time working artist. You may have seen her work in Martha Stewart Living, The Land of Nod, and even at the Contemporary Jewish Museum and Bedford Gallery. Lisa has written five books, including Art, Inc., The Essential Guide to Building Your Career as an Artist, and Whatever You Are, Be a Good One. She also writes a daily blog about her work, life, and inspiration. Now, if you're already a fan of Lisa Congdon, you might know her wife, Clay Walsh. We have Clay on our call today, too, because she just left her boss lady job working as the director of marketing at California College of the Arts. She made the scary leap to join Lisa as the head of marketing and operations for Lisa Congdon Art and Illustration. So what this means is today we're going to be talking about being an artist for a living, quitting your day job, and what it's like to work as a couple, including how to set up goals and expectations for running a business together while still maintaining a healthy life outside of work. So Lisa, Clay, hello. Welcome to Being Boss. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. All right. I want to start by talking to you, Lisa, a little bit about becoming an artist and doing it as a career. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, um, when I was thirty-one, I think maybe I was thirty-two. I can't remember exactly. Um, I was a project manager at a nonprofit organization, um, sort kind of at the associate director level had worked in this organization for many years already. And um, I got an itch to be more creative. And my brother at the time, he's two years older than I am, he was also living in San Francisco. And we decided to take an art class together. He needed to fulfill a requirement for a program he was in, an elective requirement. And he didn't want to take the class by himself, so I took it with him. I had no idea, none at the time, that this would... Put, set me on the trajectory that I'm on, or that I've been on for the last 16 years. But I went to this class with him, thoroughly enjoyed myself. And it wasn't even like at that class, I was like, I'm going to be an artist, you know. Um, but I went home and the class ended and I didn't want to stop. And so I started filling my time outside of work with painting and drawing and collage. Now, I am been doing this for 16 years, so if you look at the painting and collage and drawing that I do now, it's, you know, rather sophisticated. But at the time, I had no idea what I was doing. I was a total beginner. My work was really terrible, actually. <laughs> um, but I loved it, and I had fun, and that, that's what was important. And for me, it was just a great outlet outside of work. And so, I did that for a few years, just randomly took art classes here and there, just made a lot of stuff by myself at my kitchen table. I was single for many years at this time, and so it was like how I entertained myself after work and on the weekends when I didn't have anything else to do. And then in around 2005, four or five, in there, so I'd been at it for a, a two or three years, I started a blog. Um, it's a different blog than I have now, and I joined Flickr. And I met all these other people who were, um, you know, making stuff and had, you know, the DIY movement was kind of starting around that time on the internet. And I met a lot of other artists and I was also sewing a lot and met other people who were sewing and quilting. And so I just sort of became immersed in this world, but I wasn't really selling anything at first. And then, um, slowly, 2005, 2006, I started getting emails and comments like, I would love to buy that thing that you're making because a lot of what I was posting on my blog and on Flickr were the things that I was making. And But meanwhile, you still have a day job, right? Like, oh, meanwhile, still- I totally had a day job. This was not anything – yeah, like this was just a hobby for me. Okay. And – um. So people, but people started asking me to buy stuff and like my work was really inexpensive at the time and there's no way I could have made a living even if I sold a lot of it. (laughs) So, um, and I was totally ill prepared to be a full-time artist, but I got this idea in my head that if I worked at this for long enough and in the right ways that I might be able to eventually do this for a living. I wasn't exactly sure how. Um, and then by 2007, I was—I had opened an Etsy shop, and I had like my first two illustration jobs, which were really small and paid like $200. But you know, I took them, and I—I I left my job eventually in 2007. I opened a store for a, a few years with a friend of mine, so that was a way for me to be self-employed, but not rely solely on my art practice to. Um, sustain my life in San Francisco, which, let's face it, was, is, and even then was an expensive place to live. So um, that combination of things for a few years was great. And while I owned the store and left my job, I continued to work on my portfolio and figure out different income streams for myself, um, put my work into the world, um, take advantage of all the new social media and by 2010, I realized that I was making a full time. I was making enough to support myself full time, barely, but enough. And so, um, my friend Rena and I, who owned the store together, we decided to sell the store. And Wait, was that Rena Tom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Rena and I actually the way we met is Rena used to own this store, Rare Device, in New York. And um I had a show there and that's how we became friends and then she moved to San Francisco and we opened a rare device together.
0: Okay. So Rena Tom, for those of you who don't know, um, I think that she's probably most well known right now for Makeshift, which is her co working
2: collaborative workspace. We should have her on the show. I agree. I love Rena. Just <laughs> you totally you know. should. She's serious, yeah. boss. Um, yeah, and no doubt yeah, they
3: call each other boss.
2: Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's true. Like when we start, we opened the store together. It was the first time. Well, she had been self-employed for a while, but I had never been self-employed, and so I needed to call someone boss, <laughs> someone else. And then she decided to call me boss back. But anyway, yeah, we owned the store together. Meanwhile, it was great because I could. I was learning a lot from Rena, who knew a lot about the like, wholesale retail part of um, you know entrepreneurship um, or creative entrepreneurship um, as an income stream. So I learned a lot from her. And, and I learned how to own a store, which was a great perspective for me to have, even though I realized after a while I didn't want to do it anymore. I really wanted to just be an artist full time. So we we closed the store. She went on to open two makeshift societies, one in, Bro- one in San Francisco and then one in Brooklyn. And I ended up um, just, you know, kind of launching my full-time art career.
0: Okay. I have a couple of questions. I want to jump in and ask, like, at what point did you feel like an artist? And at what point did you feel like an entrepreneur?
2: Well, I probably felt like an entrepreneur before I felt like an artist. Like, I know that sounds really weird. Um, I've written a book, a business book called Art Inc. about making a living as an artist. So I felt like an imposter a lot in the beginning because I didn't go through the formal channels to become an artist. I sort of like, it all happened by accident, my accept, my success. You know, I just felt really lucky the whole time. Like, you know, and also that I was sort of at this party that, you know, that I that I wasn't invited to. And that I was going to get kicked out eventually for not being, you know, legitimate or whatever. So I realized now that was ridiculous, but that's the way I felt. And I understand now that that's how a lot of people feel, especially people who are self-taught or who enter the art world or the crafting world or the being a boss world later in life. Um, like I did. So, um, I, I definitely like being an artist. I, I felt more, you know, more intimidated to call myself that and proclaim that about myself. But being an entrepreneur, what didn't feel as hard to me, I think because I was a boss at my former job, like I managed people, I worked my way up in this nonprofit organization. I had a lot of, um, yeah, I had some success. And so I, I felt, it felt easier for me to just say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a small business owner. I own a store. Um, I sell things than it was for me to, you know, be like, I'm an artist because somehow that felt more pretentious or more like I, I should, I should, you know, that I wasn't really a real artist. So
0: did you have a turning point though, where you did feel like a real artist or that you could at least claim that
2: title? Was it that first illustration job or was it? It was actually way after that. I mean, I struggled with imposter syndrome, you know, which is for those of you who may be listening, who don't really know what I'm referring to, it's really just this feeling that a lot of people have, um, that they, that they somehow don't really belong in whatever sort of entrepreneurial or business endeavor that they're, they're in. Um, and that you think that, you know, everybody else knows what they're doing. Everybody else has legitimacy except you and that you're sort of faking it or that other people don't you know, or judging you or in some way. And I felt that way for a long time in the art and illustration world. Um, and then I found myself sort of like pretty upset about it internally, like a lot of self judgment and a lot of stuff that I realized the more I reflected was really holding me back in terms of putting my work into the world or just sort of being a generally happy person. So, um, i I literally woke up one day and was like, this is bullshit. (laughs) You know, I have to own my identity as an artist. I need to like be this person who, um, who owns not just this, not just being an artist, but like my path to getting there that just because I didn't go to art school or I didn't train at RISD or, you know, meanwhile I had all the same clients or a lot of the same clients that very well trained or, you know, people who I thought were real illustrators had. I, it was only my perception of myself or how I thought other people would perceive me that was holding me back. And then I realized no one's even thinking about that. You shouldn't be thinking about it either. Um, and, and in fact, that a lot of the stuff that I was ashamed of before, like that I didn't start drawing or painting until I was in my 30s and I was at that point already in my 40s, um, were things that I should own and embrace and use to my advantage. And I realize now that all my work experience and all my life experience have actually helped me um, sort of like fast track my success because I learned so much about how to be in the world and like how to be a good boss, how to be a good business person, how to work with clients, how to be polite and professional over email, how to respond quickly, how to meet
0: deadlines. I mean, I did go to art school and I went – I thought I was going to go down a fine art path, but ended up doing graphic design. And what I found is that no matter how talented you are, if you want to make a career in anything, being your own boss, talent isn't enough. Like you have to have the systems in place, which I'm also excited to talk to you about. Cause one of the things that you said is, um, how do you prepare to be a full-time artist and not being prepared to be a full-time artist? So I want to talk a little bit about that, but first I want to pause and talk about Clay and Lisa. How did the two of, like, at what point did you two meet?
2: We met about, um, almost seven years ago, um, uh, on an online dating site. (laughs) And we, um, (laughs) like we both joined the site like the the same same day (laughs) and met that
3: week. Um, I was not, someone that I could picture myself on online dating. I had never done it before. Um, Lisa had before, and I just was not into it. And I had a friend that convinced me that I should, and I said, fine. And I did it, and, well,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, and then we, like, within a week, um, we, we didn't even ever go on dates with anyone else from the online site. Like, we met each other first, and then... That so it was kind of like we forget we met online because it so happened short. so it fast. So right. <laughs> Some people go through months and months and months and months and months or years of like trying people out before they meet the right person or they yeah. just give up because they think – I didn't own. have
3: to go through it. This yeah. is the only person I've ever dated online and the
2: last person. Yeah. So. <laughs> and then Clay at the time was working in like high-tech marketing yeah. and um, – I, at the time, my art career hadn't really, I was, I owned the store. My art career was sort of like a half time thing that I wanted to be a full time thing, but I was having a hard time getting it off the ground at first. And um, so she's really seen me, like, kind of understands my business and what I do um, pretty intimately, even before she was working with me, because she sort of met me when I was at that crossroads of like, am I going to work my ass off to make this happen? or because I was like in debt and I was, you know, in fact, I had to borrow money from you quite a bit. <laughs> Very the early. Yeah. And, um, I was really struggling and she was like, look, you either have to figure this out or you have to go get a job again. And I was like, no way am I getting a job again? Um, so I figured it out. And so she sort of seen me along on that path. And then about a year, so we got married two years ago and then about a year and a half ago, um, it was like January 1st, like the first week of January, that time when you're like, okay, New what's, beginning. what's this year gonna be about? Or what are our goals? And we talk about that a lot in our life in general, like what do we want out of life? How can we make that happen? We're very sort of like intention-driven. based driven. Yeah. And um, I was talking about how I loved the work I was doing, but I was starting to be really overwhelmed by all of the opportunity that I had. I mean, all the stuff that I worked for was happening and I was not able to sustain it. I knew that I wouldn't be able to sustain it much longer by myself without com- bur- completely burning out.
3: And you were burned out. I was already burned yeah. out at that
2: point. And it was taking
3: a toll just in general. There was a lot of late nights. And I had a regular full-time job. So I could leave my job at the job and come home. And there were really a lot of late nights of you know, her working late or I would help with the Etsy orders or whatever it is. And I've traveled with her on several um, business trips and meetings and things like that. So I was pretty involved, but just kind of from a partner standpoint.
2: Right. And then we were like, well, what would it be like, let's just brainstorm. What would it be like to think about how we, how, what, you know, like what's the, what are, first of all, what are potential solutions to this problem that I had that my business was exploding? Um, (laughs) I could hire somebody, Um, I could hire, I could, but I needed somebody at a sort of higher level than an assistant. Um, somebody who could do both administrative stuff, but also strategic stuff and had a lot of expertise. And Clay at the time was the director of marketing at California college of the arts where she had been for six years. And, um, so we started talking about what it would be like for her to join me as my business partner and help me manage all of these parts of my business that, Um, were taking me away from drawing and painting and creating the artwork. I'm good at those things also and I like them, but I just didn't have time to do the administrative and strategic and business partnership part of what I do and also make art. I did have an agent and that was really helpful at the time, um, but I needed more. And so we took a year and a half to really think it through what would it require? Maybe we would have to leave the Bay area cause it's really expensive. If we're just going to live off one income, what other sacrifices could we make to make this happen? And then how can we make this like working relationship that, right. That is going to make our lives happier and more fulfilled. And, um,
0: yeah, I mean, and here we like are. <laughs> All right, well so let's jump into that clay. Did you love your job that you were working at? Like it, it doesn't seem like you were miserable and no, wanting to not. leave. <laughs> so this so tell us a little bit about that. Like what was it like going from day job to then making that leap?
3: Well, it was not an easy decision and I put Lisa through a roller coaster. And um not to mention I was sort of on a uh upward ladder there um, at the college. I started working there in 09, and um, by the time I left, I was the director of marketing and um, had built a team, hired an amazing creative team, and I really enjoyed my boss. My boss was um, hilarious and so supportive and let me do my thing, and in a way, I was a little entrepreneur in my office and started systems and processes um, for the department and the team, and I managed this entire internship program of graphic designers too. And it just, was really like on paper, the job is, is awesome. I mean, it's, it's sounds like a sexy job, right? So um, for a while, it was my dream job and we lived um, right down the street from it. And when we lived in the mission district in San Francisco and I rode my bike there, took me five minutes and Lisa would join me for art openings at night. And we just had this really cool, been going where Lisa was doing art during the day and in the art world. And I was bringing her to illustration shows and I was meeting students and it was amazing. And, um, it just got to be too much over time. The workload increased. Um, we moved to Oakland and my commute turned into a two hour round trip a day. That was huge. Yeah. You, you don't really love your job as much when you have to commute that far. And I was so jealous of, of Lisa's life.
2: <laughs> um, it just that was well, and I kept saying, like, you know, I work really hard, but I also get to make all these choices about how I spend my time, when I work, when I go on vacation, how I, you know, and I think Clay started to realize that being an entrepreneur, um, while it, I mean, I think she saw me work really hard and that kind of scared her a little bit. Um, at the same time, I think she could see like how my income was increasing every year, like the success I had was exponential to the amount of work I was doing where at her job she would work really hard and it wouldn't lead to anything except, you know, some more, comp- work. more work. Yeah. <laughs> I
3: found that the bet, the more you do, the more people want your work or want what you do. So, so for me, there was a point where I, my, work was, I was doing really well, and we were doing amazing things, and I would have to have to keep a low profile, because if I ran into an important faculty member, they'd say, hey, I saw that video you created, and I really need that, too, and it, there was no, it would, never would end, you know, I couldn't bill more, or, you know, bring on anyone else, there's a limit, and it was a nonprofit profit college, so, um, so the answer is really that, yes, it was a, a dreamy job, but, um, you know, i um, <laughs> a broader over to the yeah. other side. Right, that yeah. wasn't easy.
1: I mean, Welcome to the dark side. Unlimited uh, yeah. like earning potential, take time off whenever you want and work whenever
3: you want. It's kind of nice. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I got to the, I really, um, uh, am one of those people that needs to work out every day. I, I run, I swim, I go to spin class. I've done triathlons in the past and I just need to do that, um, before work. And so, um, or I could do it after work. I'm not, you know, I'm not picky, but, um, I got to the point where the commute was so long that I was getting up at 5.30 in the morning to go to these
2: boot camp classes. And
3: <laughs> I was so tired at 8 o'clock p.m. I've already passed out on the couch. <laughs> and now
2: we don't get up any earlier. and We still fit in our workouts and our workday and having dinner with friends and stuff. So
3: Yeah, the life is just so much more, <laughs> more than I could ask for in terms of the free time. And I'm someone that needs a lot of free time. <laughs> and I just didn't have that.
1: I want to know how it is, so once you took that leap, how that changed, like, your relationship. Um, because obviously you guys go from, from having, like, separate lives, basically, to really sort of sharing everything, but, like, you don't know, enjoying it potentially, like, a whole lot more. So what was that like? Right. How, how did it change your relationship?
2: Well, we were really um, proactive in the beginning about setting ourselves up to do this as well as we could. We knew that even if we did set ourselves up, we would still falter. But um, I worked with a business coach for years. Um, Her name's Tiffany Hahn. And she, um, I hadn't been working with her for a few years. So that was earlier in my career. And um, we actually at Alt Summit this year, I was the keynote speaker and we went to a lot of sessions together. And at that point, Clay hadn't left her job yet, but she was about to. But we were really thinking about this idea of collaborating and working together. And also that we're married. We're, we're wives. We have this whole other life together and how could we set ourselves up so that we had boundaries around the right things. And we were operating from the same understanding about how to approach the business and how to work together. And um, I just got this idea that we should spend, have like a retreat with Tiffany where she kind of helped us figure out, you know, what are our goals? um, What are the ground rules for working together? Like how can we, communicate respectfully to each other and when we don't how can we deal with it um how do we get clear on who's doing what and what our roles are like how can we set ourselves up for success not that we still wouldn't be you know confronting difficulty so we did spend a day with tiffany and we wrote all kinds of um commitments to each other which we're still referring to now um and um it was such a valuable day um that i think if we hadn't done it, we'd be struggling a lot more. And we're still struggling with trying to do exactly what you guys are asking, which is, um, you know, figure out how, how do you work together when, when you're also in a relationship? And then how do you stop at the end of the day and maybe not talk about work? Um. you know what the
3: best thing is, is in San Francisco, we have this, um, and, and we're growing that here in Portland too, but we just moved from the San Francisco Bay area to Portland about, almost two months ago. So our community there was full of creatives and so many of them were couples. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had um, friends from three fish studios who um, ran their printmaking studio and they were business partners. And, you know, we have uh, friends, Betsy and Chuck who run uh, art and licensing and branding company together. And just to see how they work together. And we really reached out to them and just asked them, you know, how's it going? And, you know, they're, they're, there's no right or wrong way. Um, But I think we're being really intentional um, with this and we're still learning and we talk things out and, you know, some of the rules that we had that, you know, they're not strict, but you know, at the end of the day, let's kind of like have signals like the laptops close and I walk the dog and we start dinner and and PR comes on or we have plans. And so it's not like this around the clock thing. Um, Trying to kind of have
2: just, boundaries. Yeah. And also, you know, like, uh, there's ways that you, there's a comfort level you have with the person that you're in a relationship with, which leads to sometimes talking to them in ways that you are not proud of five minutes later, but you know, <laughs> that's what happens. Right. I think, you know, with family or that's, and, um, so I have to remember that, you know, um, especially when we're working together, it's really important that, you know, cause this has been my business for so long and I'm bringing this person on and the, who I want to share equal power, but that is easier said than done. And I may speak to her in ways or use certain facial expressions that indicate <laughs> that I'm, you know, disapproving of some choice she's made, even though I've told her go off and take leadership and ownership of whatever it and that's is. that's going to take some time. I mean, it's really right. been. Or that, but just that I like, I think we both had to have humble humbling moments where like, she'll be like, that was really patronizing the way you just talked to me, (laughs) you know, and you have to see those things in the moment. And I have to be like, you're right. I am so sorry. I'm going to work on that. Um, so you have to talk about things in the moment and you have to be willing to work them out and you have to be willing to say you're sorry and move on because I think just like in a relationship, um, a, a romantic relationship, a work relationship is no different in both parts of our life. We have to, we can't carry around resentments or angers. We have to get them out in the open and we have to work through them really quickly. So we're working a lot on that.
0: I want to pause and take a second to chat about our sponsor, FreshBooks. If you are your own boss, FreshBooks is going to help you level up your game and make you feel totally legit. How? Professionals get paid and FreshBooks makes getting paid easy. I mean, it's practically automatic. First off, your invoice looks professional. You can customize it with your own logo, put in your payment terms and client info, and FreshBooks shoots out a legit invoice that you can either email or snail mail to your client. From there, you can see client payment history, you can send out late notice reminders, and your clients can pay you online. It's so fast and easy, and again, it makes you look legit. Stay on top of your business all year long with a clear picture of its financial health with FreshBooks. Try FreshBooks for free today. Go to freshbooks.com/beingboss and enter "being boss" in the "How did you hear about us?" section. All right, back to our show. One of my questions is, and even how you said this is my business. So, Lisa, even whenever I was emailing with Clay for setting up this interview, it's clay at Mm lisacongden.com, right? And so I'm curious. um, And one of the other things that you mentioned as we were talking is, you know, working on just one income. So, does it feel, does it still feel like the Lisa show and Clay is like a supporting role, or are you starting to see where? Clay is coming in and, and drawing in income by filling this role. Like, how is that working out?
2: I think it's both because I mean, obviously my brand, um, developed both because of my artwork and also my presence online. So I write a blog, I have an Instagram account. So it's not, people see me as a human being and my artwork my name is attached. I don't have a, you know, I'm not Bluebird Studios. You know, right. I'm Lisa Congdon, Art and Illustration. So, um, I, and I've been the face of my brand for a long time. I teach. I have, you know, all these other things going on. And so, Clay had to be okay with that. Um,
3: I am okay with that. Yeah, it. yeah. She's totally okay. <laughs> you had <However>, to <laughs>
2: there Yeah, she did because there was no turning back, you know. However... Um, part of the reason that I felt so strongly about having someone like either Clay or someone like Clay come on to support my business, as opposed to just hiring a, a, a you know, an assistant for however many dollars an hour a week, um, which in some ways might have been the cheaper option, um, was that, I, <laughs>
3: <laughs> that I
2: realized that, um, The only way that I was going to grow or scale my business um, or meet financial goals that I had made for myself or, you know, do projects that um, I wanted to do was by bringing on another person. And the, the calculated risk that I took was that paying somebody as much of the income that I bring in, paying somebody else to support my business is going to pay for itself like five or tenfold. Um, Clay is already, I'm already able now to take advantage of opportunities that I wouldn't even have had time before to respond to the email or um, we're actually seeking out some new business relationships and that's not something I would have had time to do. Um, The fact that Clay is just constantly so responsive to clients and people who express an interest in working with me um, and sets up all the back end stuff for me so that all I have to do is get clear, you know, what my art direction is, if it's an illustration job or what the parameters are, if it's another kind of project, um, it's great. And so I think, you know, um, we haven't gotten to the point yet where we can measure really like the impact of clay being on board. Um, I mean, I could measure it, but, and I, and I think in a year we, we literally will be able to measure it in dollar signs. not that that's what it's all about, but.
3: Well, we're keeping track of our workflow in a way that, you know, Lisa's really organized and she's, done this amazing job for all of these years, um, by myself. <laughs> but, right. But we're able to really keep, um, a a, a, a log of everything we're working on along with, um, what's coming in and what's going out. And, um, not to mention just the opportunities that, you know, they're broken out. I mean, there's not just, you know, illustration work. I mean, there's also publicity, and partnerships and collaborations and new business development. In fact, we're developing new products too. So that's not something that Lisa was doing beforehand. So, um, I mean, I'm really excited about it. I think there's a lot of potential, and um, it's definitely really challenging for me. I think the the learning curve is pretty high. I, there was a lot that I needed to learn um, despite all the experience that I had as a director And despite of all that she knew did,
2: about my business.
3: Right. Yeah, just there's so much to learn every day. And I think the one thing is um, – And I think that, you know, you know, you guys are solopreneurs and I'm sure most of your audience, um, are as well. And Lisa was, um, but just for me, I just, you know, I worked in an office and there were people around all the time and I had assignments and deadlines and, um, you know, there was really kind even though it was hectic, I knew what to expect every day and it was annual. A lot of things were cyclical. There's nothing cyclical about what we're
2: doing. I mean, working (laughs) in higher
3: education is extremely cyclical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, every week
2: is new. We don't know. It's all what comes into the email box, you know? So, I mean, sometimes you can plan, and we're really trying to be more strategic. But, you know, being an entrepreneur, especially a creative entrepreneur, is a lot of sort of reacting to what opportunities come your way and figuring out how to make them work or not.
3: Right. And so I think by working together, there's a level of proactivity that can happen now, which wasn't possible with Lisa's workload. I mean, it was really just whatever – She could get to, and a lot of things weren't able. She wasn't able to get to, so um, it's good. And then we're also being strategic
0: about what we say yes and no to, and that also feels really good. How How are you strategic about what you say yes and no to? Oh, we have like, do you go through like a series of questions that you ask yourself every time? So, So, you tell me, because I need
2: to know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's so I wrote about this a little bit in Art Inc., my book. So this like criteria. Criteria for saying yes and no. And it's an exercise that I did with Tiffany, my coach, um, a few years back where, cause I was really struggling. This was before I even had as much opportunity as I have now. Um, and, but you know, we all know that stuff that you get used to over time, it feels easy when you, when it first starts happening for you, it feels really overwhelming. Um, and at the time I was overwhelmed by all the choices that I had. And Um, so we made this list of like, what are all the things that Lisa, are important to you, Lisa, when you consider saying yes or no to a job? And of course, money was one of them. How much does the job or opportunity pay? Um, how much time will it take? Like, do I even have time to do this? Which is something that I unfortunately didn't pay enough attention to and committed to a lot of things along the way that I didn't have time for and hence the all nighters. Um, uh, does this project resonate? Like, is this like something that gets me excited? Is there, you know, is there a sort of like resonance with uh, either aesthetics of the company or their brand or their mission and vision that like feels very connected to who I am and what I do? Um, And then there are probably some others, but like exposure that less important for me now in the beginning, was this something that... Where uh, was this an opportunity that was going to lead to other people hearing about me who might not have heard about or me a before? Or client
3: list, you know, maybe it's um, doesn't pay much or it's pro bono, but you know,
2: you have the Obama some not, campaign. Yeah, on I did some work list. for the Obama <laughs> campaign, for example, where like I, um, I didn't really have time to do it, but I did it because you know it was like Michelle pres- came knocking. Michelle came knocking. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, Wait, did you get to talk to Michelle Obama? No, but she did tweet out some of the work that I did for them, which is great. That's really um, exciting. Yeah, so so now it's not like we sit and say, number one, what is the pay? Number <laughs> two, does this resonate? But it's so ingrained. Um, we will kind of like, Clay will read me an email now that's like, okay, we just got this email from blah, blah, blah. They want you to do this. Um, or, you know, here's what they would need it and by when. And sometimes she'll read it to me and I'll say no. Like in two seconds. It's not that I'm not, it's just like, maybe not one of the five things I talked about is, is, you know, so there's, there's got to be at least one nugget. And if there's one nugget, then we dig deeper into the other stuff. And, um, it really all depends. Sometimes I'll, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll make time for an opportunity that just feels like something that I'd want to be part of. Um, but yeah, those are pretty much the the main things we look at. And because ultimately you don't, I don't want to destroy the quality of my overall life. There's no point in doing this if I'm going to be so stressed out all the time or unhappy or not have time to be with the people I love and take time to enjoy this beautiful place that I live and enjoy my relationship.
3: I will say, yeah, I mean, since we've moved here, our free time has really um, freed up.
2: I yeah, guess. no, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's, it's That's amazing. the goal, right?
3: Yeah, we really didn't have a lot of time to enjoy our friends and um, the opportunities um in, in california as much as we would want to and um, just being here is really fun i mean we're gonna go on a bike ride this weekend and um, we hang out with lisa's parents and family and sister lives here and so um there's just it's it's pretty exciting we're just in this exploring mode and we're not you know we're busy but it's not at the level where we're not having a life yeah i mean
2: we want to scale my business for sure and at some point we may hire another employee but not at the expense of our happiness and the quality of our life i'm 47 7 years old so um i'm like you know i've already worked so hard since i was in my early 20s not always at this but it's something i've always been pretty driven person and now's the time that i'm i want to travel i want to enjoy myself i don't want to work more than 40 hours a week if i can help it um i want to enjoy my weekends i want to enjoy my family i don't have kids so i can there's a lot that i can do with my time and um a lot of my friends don't have that time and i want to be able to Enjoy it as much as I can.
0: Yeah. Just rub it in their faces yeah.
1: <laughs> every time I got. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I want to ask you, Lisa. So you, your decision to bring on someone to really sort of help you in your business, and not in a minor way, not in like an assistant way, but in a very huge role is something that scares the crap <laughs> out of a lot of solopreneurs. I mean, a lot of them have a hard enough time hiring an assistant or hiring even a virtual assistant, someone to just help with the small stuff. But your first step was to hire someone to really manage a very large part of your business. So can you just sort of like hit on, hit on what, what that decision-making was like for you? Was it something that really did scare you And and – you just spoke on like how it's really helped your life, but did you really anticipate it? And just
2: chat about that for a and second. And maybe even like,
0: I'm curious too, like the aspect of giving up some of that control. Yeah. And I think maybe it's easier whenever it's your wife. Like if I could, and I my business partner is my sister, so it feels very much like I can give over some control to her. I would kill to have my husband quit his job and come work for me. But But there is an aspect of giving up that control
2: that feels really scary. Yeah. And in some ways, it, admittedly, it was easier to give up control to the person I'm married to than to some random person who I might have entered a partnership, an actual contractual partnership with. Um, you know, I I sort of trust Clay in this way and trust that she understands me and appreciates me given even with all of my faults and shortcomings and <laughs> um, that she sort of knew fully what she would get, be getting herself into. I think that's a lot at least for me felt a lot easier than if I had said hired someone or gone into a a business partnership with somebody who I would be paying the same amount of money that I'm paying her. Um, but you know, with health insurance and all of these other sort of like layers, not that I'm not paying for Clay's health insurance, but, um, (laughs) but you know, it's different when it's another person, um, that you, that, that is from sort of outside of your family. And, um, So in some ways that made it easier. In some ways that made it harder because now, as you said, like I have this responsibility to her and of course it scared the crap out of me. Like what if all of a sudden I stopped making enough money to, I had a really good year last year, which positioned me really well to bring her on and and also to have Clay say, oh yeah, we can do this because your track record is that you, you know, you, you could support two people, um, and, but we also had this understanding that if after trying this for a while and it doesn't work, she's going to sort of be able to walk away. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think, I mean,
3: our marriage comes first. So yeah. So, and that
2: was what was the most important thing yeah. to us. Um, and even if, it, if I had hired somebody from the outside, I might, I would have wanted there to be an out for that person. Cause you never want to sort of force somebody into something that makes them feel trapped. Um, I was scared because I knew that, you know, I was going to be responsible financially, but we also have to, had to shift the thinking. So Clay is now responsible also for me, for helping to bring in the income. This isn't about me, Clay working for me and I have to feed her and pay her and pay her health insurance. Um, mm-hmm. This is about both of us being proactive about making an income and figuring out the best ways to do that. That also means that I have to listen to her opinion about and her perspective on what she thinks it's going to take. It can't always be me making all of the decisions and having all of the power um, and uh, so I'm having to give up a lot of control um, in many ways, but I actually like it. I kind of feel like it, it relieved in a way like, there's no way to describe this. I guess most of your listeners are solo entrepreneurs and they understand what this feels like, but there's this huge like alone feeling that you have, um, like everything falls on you. And sometimes I used to wake up in the morning and just be like, I oh, there's so much to deal with today. And I would like not be able to eat for like three hours. And, um, because I was so overwhelmed and I don't feel that way anymore. Like sometimes I get a little stressed out by having to finish certain things or deal with some this or that in a project. But now I know I have clay, like she's helping me. Like I have support and somebody who's right there with me and I just don't feel alone anymore. And there's, it's indescribable that I can get up and do what I do every day and make money from it and have this person who's like on board supporting what I do um, the art-making part of what I do and, and joining in my businesses and is invested in what I do as as I am. Um, not just because she loves me, but because, you know, she's invested in making the income that we want to make to support ourselves and live a good life. So, And we're both invested in not failing at this. So that feels good, and that's been really apparent.
3: Yeah. I was just going to say, when I used to come home from – the office, I was so fried because I was talking all day. At my last job, I had upwards of 14 meetings a week, and I had several employees, and we were constantly talking, and it was an open workspace, and then I would commute on this bus with everybody talking or just on my cell phone. I mean, it just was just just constant stimulation, and I would get home, and we would be sitting down for dinner, and Lisa would just like, (laughs) you know, start talking. I'm like, oh, my God, I love you, but I can't. I, I just, but I so... had,
2: I had been alone all day, like not talking to anyone. Um, it was and... jarring, but I,
3: I understood <laughs> it was just tough because I was just done with work and I was able to shut it off and she just was waiting and waiting, waiting to talk. And it's so nice that we can,
2: now we can just talk during yeah. the day about and process it all in real time and then enjoy our relationship is, I think actually gotten better. Um, like at dinner, we talk about other things.
0: Well, so I'm curious actually like what a day in the life looks like for you. And I guess specifically even Lisa, like, how much of your time before Clay came on, like if you had to draw a pie chart, were you actually doing art and illustration? Like the thing that you love doing the most or that your that your brand is centered around is this talent that you have. How much time did you spend doing that before and how much time do you spend doing it now? And like, just kind of like if you could walk us through your day from start to finish, what kinds of things Clay are you responsible for doing? What does your day look like? And Lisa, what does your day look like?
2: Well, it used to be that I would you know if it was a pie chart I would say it was half and half um and it had to be like because um I i you know in some days I probably could have spent more time in some days I did spend the entire day doing non-art stuff just to sort of like support the art making part um but by default at some point or another I had to like make the work to turn in and that's I think what makes being what you know, being a graphic designer, an illustrator, an artist different. Like you actually have to produce stuff. Um and there is our ways to make passive income and we're working on that um more and more. But a lot of what we do, what I do is actually making stuff. Um even if it's stuff to post on my blog or post on Instagram, you know, promotion is part of part of my job too. So um now I would say that it's probably um so it was 50-50. I would say I spend more like 65 uh, or 70% of my time making art and 30% other. We haven't – and that's partly because Clay is still learning all – and we're still developing all these systems. She's still learning. I still have to help her with some back-end stuff on the website and things like that. And also, I don't know that I ever want to have my hand completely out of all of that stuff. Um, uh if that were the case, then clay would end up doing every nitty gritty thing, every piece of admin, boring administrative stuff. Um, yeah, so we, we do sh-
3: things together. We share a lot. Packing and shipping. We're both doing. Yeah. That.
2: Like, it's not like, Oh, I have this person working with me now. I am not going to touch packing and shipping Etsy orders ever again. Like we both do that. Um, I still do most of my own social media. Clay is helping me with an editorial calendar and scheduling it and coming up with ideas for things I can write about and post about and things like that. But um, I don't know that I'd ever want art making to be the full pie. Well, you're a business
3: um, person. You yeah, I like
2: actually making. other parts of it too, but it's so much better to be spending 65 or 70% of my time making art than it was 50. Um, even though I like all of the business parts of it, um, not necessarily all of them, but a lot of them, um, I'm glad to have, ter- have turned those over to somebody else who I trust so much to handle them for me because as really changed things. We get up in the morning, like we go work out most days, sometimes together, sometimes separately. We belong to a master swim team. We, um, go to spin class. We, this morning we weren't running. Sometimes we do it together, sometimes separately. And then we come home, shower, eat and, and get to work usually by eight thirty or nine. And then the whole day is, um, some combination of, um, communicating about what we're going to do that day to each other and what our goals are. Um, and then trying to break it down. There's a lot of disruption that happens, but email comes in and you have to deal with things that weren't on your to-do list sometimes. Yeah,
3: yeah. my job is pretty much all marketing and operations. So um, it's broken down sort of um, like 60% operations, 30% marketing, and 10% new product and business development. So that 10% wasn't something that was necessarily um, prevalent in Lisa's um past role, because I think it was a lot of on the receiving end, like, oh, these new projects are coming in. And so we're trying to be more strategic, like we talked about earlier, um, about developing our own um, product lines or other partnerships. So that's been fun. Um, but yeah, my day, um, you know, it's it's different. I had so, so many meetings at my last job. And every job I've had, um, I've been, um, you know, working in an office for 20 years. So um, being employed by employers. So now I have to structure my day differently and um, we're creating just a lot of to-do lists and tasks lists and we have our
2: workflow. So needs. many shared documents in Google. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Oh my yeah. Gosh. But it, they really work for us and um, I have a few that are just mine and she has some that are just hers and right. a lot of stuff that we check in and we're developing systems because now she answers my email like what do I need to look at or not um, one thing I will say, and this is a commitment we made at that day long retreat we had before we started working together was that we were going to stop and eat lunch together every day and there would be no eating lunch in front of the computer and, um, we're going out. Yeah. Lunch. And so we do go out to lunch about once a week too. And it's been great. Like that's something I never could have wrapped my head around before. Like I never stopped working even when I was eating. Like I might stop for five minutes to prepare something, but or to grab put some leftovers in a bowl and put them in the microwave but um, there's this
3: hilarious cartoon or some sort of meme or something that I saw once about how like the work at home freelancers like eating like raw edamame from the freezer and like <sighs> cliff bars and stuff. I mean, I wouldn't say Lisa was that bad but she definitely ate like at her desk and
2: in my yeah, and so now we're like we stop and we say, "Okay, when do you want to eat? stop for lunch today?" Like today we had a conversation, "Oh, we're taping um, with being boss ladies at noon do you want to eat that's lunchtime right so shall we eat before Shall we eat after we actually talk about it we talk about oh we used to do meal planning for dinner but now we do meal planning for lunch and it feels Switching really off. civilized and we actually don't force ourselves to stop talking about work during lunch but we force ourselves to sit down at the kitchen table and eat and that's been a total life changer for me um, and one of us will stop in the afternoon and walk the dog we bought a house recently and we have all kinds of like contractors and things happening with that. So we have to often stop during the middle of the day and deal with people who work during the day. And so, and we take turns doing that. Sometimes we do it together. It feels very flexible now that there's two of us and not just me, that I can take more breaks and, um, go with the flow more. And that feels really good. And then we kind of, by four o'clock, we're like, when do you want to wrap up today? And I might say, I really need to work till 630. I'm, I've got to finish this. And some days I say, let's wrap up in 30 minutes, you know, and we call it, call it an early day, depending.
3: It's a kinder, gentler, Lisa Condonarton.
0: <laughs> what are, do you guys mind sharing some of the other, like, what are some examples of some of the other commitments that you made during that
2: day long retreat? Um, well, you know, I feel like there was like a set of sort of working together, ground rules, um, like keeping it positive. I'm a very sort of solution oriented person. One of the ways that I feel um, that I has, one of the things that I think has contributed to um, like living this life that I've always dreamed of is always, even when something appears to be going wrong, like what's the positive spin on this? What can I learn from this? How can I take this and move, change it and move it around? Um, How can I use this situation to my advantage? Um, How can I get out of this situation quickly for a positive ending? Whatever it is, keeping it positive Um, and staying solution oriented felt really important to me. And that was something that Clay was really on board with, too, which is really hard sometimes, right? Because you find yourself complaining about a a client or a situation or this thing is never ending. Um, So that's one norm we have. Um, Mutual... Trust and collaboration, um, just respectful conversations and, um,
3: keeping things light and not so serious. And, you know, I mean, we we, have this phrase called, we chose this.
2: Yeah. We chose this. Like it's even when it's hard, this is, this is a choice we made. So let's make, let's make it fun. Sometimes that's putting on music and dancing around the apartment a little bit. Sometimes we just listen to fun podcasts like yours and others that we enjoy, um, like I said, to Clay is like, how do you, when she, she's asked me a lot of questions since she started, she's like, how do you keep this on, you know, like, how do you not go crazy? And I was like, well, again, I chose this. So I get, I'm the boss. I get to decide how I spend my day. And I, I know that all of this, um, even though it's overwhelming is like where I want to be. So um, I, I, if I want to drink tea, when I want to drink tea, I drink my tea. If I want to, um, watch an episode or a marathon of some TV program on Netflix while I'm drawing. Then I—that's what I can do. Like you can't—you can't do those things in an office necessarily. And um, you get to make your own rules when you're your own boss. So I said to Clay, "Make your own rules. If you want to go to a cafe every day for a certain period of time, that's fine with me. Or if you want to, you know, blast music in your headphones or listen to certain things or work certain hours and take breaks at certain times, then do that." Um, so. Giving each other a lot of, we decided early on that we were going to give each other a lot of freedom to kind of create the work life that feels good and is fun for you. So
0: Clay, what after working somewhere for 20 years, what are some of those rules that you have had a hard time letting go of? So I remember even whenever my sister quit her job as a VP creative director to join forces with me, one of the things that was really hard to let go of was like the physical tangible job jackets that we would use back in our ad agency days to like keep track of our jobs. And I was like, Oh no, Google docs. Like we don't need job jackets, you know? So something like that, that was like a really hard thing for her to break. Um, so have there, has there been anything like that that's been hard for you to kind of let go of or that, that kind of structure that you crave? And then on the flip side of that, what are some new rules that you've created for yourself?
3: Well, I think what's been the most challenging for me is that I feel like, that I'm trying not to feel like an employee or that I, you know, expect things to be exactly like a 40 hour work week. And I think I bring that to this new position and that's probably a good thing. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that it's actually going fine. Um, I think that, um, what was the second part of your question was like, what, what, Saying what, like, is there
0: anything like any sort of that structure that you are having a hard time letting go of, or that you crave, or that you know, and like you just said, you're kind of bringing some of that to it, but then also, is there anything, or what are some like the new rules and boundaries? Because I think that whenever you leave your day job, it's like the world is your oyster, you can do whatever you want now, and so it is kind of, um, I think, important to. Not just throw all the rules out the window, but to create your own rules. So, like, what are some of the rules that you've created for yourself?
3: Okay. So what are the – what the leaving behind thing is actually um, the – the, and, and we're, I'm working on this with Lisa, but um, I – while I complained about all those meetings, they're actually really effective. I love brainstorming, and I love um, mapping things out, and I love to talk. Um, and, you know, I – it got annoying, but I did have um, an employee who I loved um, – who, who interrupted me quite a bit, and I just would always just stop what I was doing and say yes, you know, and, and we would talk, <laughs> and it was good, and sometimes I'd go interrupt him, and, and, and you know, it was sort of that atmosphere of of talking things out, and then projects would come up, and then you would walk out for coffee, and you would know, see coworkers. It was just uh, – I had such a big identity at my last job and such a
2: um... – But she told me this morning when we were running, actually – um, which is when we kind of work a lot of this stuff out, she was like, I realize that one of the things I'm missing is this idea of like brainstorming and collaborating and getting on the same page with you so that I don't feel like I'm guessing all the time. And can we make more time? I know you want more time, you know, you want to, I don't want to take too much more time away from the actual drawing and painting you need to do, but can we make time for more, more brainstorms and meetings? And I was like, I love those too, actually. So I was like, yes, let's do it. So um what we're trying to do is take that aspect of Clay's job that really worked for her this like team idea, brainstorming sessions and like creative thinking with another person and bringing that into my business as a way to really like figure out what's next for us or or even how to get through a sticky situation that we're having on any particular day.
3: Yeah. And I actually recently um, joined an all women's mastermind group. So that's a monthly group that uh, there's seven of us. And so it's really new for me, but um, so far it's been really helpful for me to talk out what's going on Um, with my business and what I'm struggling with and what I'm challenged with and getting just a lot of advice and interesting perspectives. And the group is interesting. It's, it's no one is doing what I'm doing. So, and they're not doing what each other are doing. So there's no competition or anything like that. It's just um, really smart women. So that's been really helpful too. It's um, I think it's just like a little extra bit of like giving me what I'm craving. Um, So those are some like new things that I'm working on and um you know, I really worked really, really, really hard at, um, I work hard at everything I do, but my last job, um, required me to, um, be on at a level that was very, um, burn <laughs> Um, and I'm like the new rule I'm creating is to just kind of be a little bit more laid back and stress-free and sort of not like this whole idea of like kind of trying to find humor in things and taking things lightly, more lightly, um, I think it's really important because we're not um, you know I was working at our an college and I know it seems crazy to think that you know it, it wasn't brain surgery or anything like that but there were times where I'm thinking oh my gosh like you would think that we're like <laughs> doing brain surgery you know we're like trying well, to yeah, like 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 get to the, the moon. world it was just the world revolved around everything I was doing was so stressful I mean it was an art college it's an institution you know it comes with a lot of red tape and bureaucracy and it was very, very stressful and I'm just not gonna let myself get stressed out anymore.
2: Yeah, like um Tiffany would in our in our retreat, at the end she was like, What's your motto? It's like it's just art. Like, yeah, we love what we do, but really it's <laughs> it's just art. Like no 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 client, no fan, no you know, no annoying person, no annoying situation is really worth losing your mind over because yeah, it's it's just art you know? So how, how stressful can we really make this, you know, we don't need to make it super stressful. So yeah. So yeah. Not that art isn't amazing, but it's,
0: yeah. No, it's so funny because I think it is easy, especially if you're type A or driven, no matter if you're doing brain surgery or art or whatever you're doing, you're going to be able to create your own stress in it. So I was even having my tarot cards read recently in New Orleans and the tarot card lady, she was like, and maybe you could read anyone this way, but she was like, don't make stress where it doesn't exist. And I was like, oh, you're so right. But I love, I wanted to say, I love how you guys attach like a motto or a mantra. So we chose this and it's just art. I think that that is so important in keeping things light. Like that's a really good way just to have those little triggers that remind you of what your goals are and what your boundaries are.
2: Yeah. We find ourselves reminding each other of that. Like I would say on a daily basis, those little things that we've come up with that are sort of the, like the, you know, the foundation of our relationship and what we're doing every day. I mean, we have really lofty aspirations and goals, um, for my, for my, art career and for our business. Um, but not at the expense of, of our, of our happiness and, um, sense of equanimity. All right. Any final advice
0: for being a boss in work and life for our listeners? You go first. Oh gosh.
3: Um, well, I think this is where the working twenty years in an office comes, but I just I, I personally don't do the pajamas in bed kind of thing. We get I, I for me I get and Lisa too. I mean I, I get dressed every day and,
2: and and, you know, do my hair. I'm wearing my, a dress. See.
3: Dry clean shirt. I
2: put so. my hair in. Not just <laughs> because we're being recorded either.
3: And and just make the bed immediately. Yes. <laughs> so um and, and you know, I really actually this is again probably coming from my experience, but I really do like the whole nine to five thing. I I like being available when other people are available. And I like to, to, you know, close it down at the end of the day. Um, I also just really think that it's, I think what I learned um, in managing people, um, I um, was um, the supervisor of four um, and had other interns and students that I worked with, but um, I think just working with them and just the communication skills that I gained over the years of, Sort of giving feedback and also just having to manage so many different people's expectations on a daily basis. I just feel that communication as an entrepreneur is so so important to not just leave it to email. I think if you need to talk something out, you should pick
2: up the phone. She gets should. on the phone all the time. That's it's something so that I important. I don't like to do. So <laughs>
3: yeah, I think it would just. I just am used to talking things out with people. And that's an experience that I think is extremely valuable. Um, I mean, I've had to fire someone, um, you know, that wasn't pleasant. I've also got to hire people and give them positive feedback and reviews. And so I just have so much experience kind of just cutting to the chase now that I didn't have before. And so I think that's going to help with our negotiations and and working with clients. And, um, that just makes me feel like a boss. So I don't know how else to say it, you know, that's just, just, just not being scared to just talk things through and just being really confident in your communication with people, whether they're vendors or people you would hire or customers. Yeah. So that's sort of my philosophy. Anyway, Lisa. Um,
2: well, um, I think the main thing for me is um, this idea of confidence that, that Clay just uh, alluded to. But this idea of owning whatever situation you're in or whatever your particular path or experience is, I feel that I hear so often from people, oh, I wish I could do what you do, or I wish I could be this or that, or I wish I could do this or that, but I'm not young enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not organized enough. I'm not talented enough. Um, I have five kids and drive around in a minivan. I Well, Lisa you know, got that last week. from an actual person, you know, how do I, and, um, my, my answer to that is, um, it may appear as though I have the perfect, um, career life situation, but I don't. And none of us does. We all sort of make do with what we have or embrace what we have and really make that the thing. So, um, whatever your life is, whatever your experiences, whatever your age is, whatever, um, you, you know, whatever, own it and make it, a positive thing and something that you embrace and not something that you're ashamed of. I mean, that was for me, the turning point in my career was when I stopped um, being embarrassed by these things that I perceived as shortcomings and started embracing them. So I started writing more on my blog about the fact that I'm almost 50 and um, that I didn't start my career till later in life or that, you know, all of these things that felt me were a source of um, embarrassment for me are now the thing that actually, I feel like connects me to the most people in my audience. People want to hear the real story of you, um, and owning your experience. Um, and all, every part of it, even the parts that make you anxious, I feel like is really important and sort of people will start to perceive you as somebody who, who, um, you know, has her shit together and, uh, or his shit together, <laughs> and um you know no no matter what your life experience is, think about it, like I mean there are bloggers and um, business owners and artists and designers out there from every possible you know walk of life, from religious background, economic background. And the people who are successful all have one thing in common, and that's that they're not trying to hide who they are or what their experience is. They're trying to use their life experience and their perspective to grow their business. And, um, and so instead of making excuses, like owning your experience and, and, and doing it anyway, I feel like is what makes people a boss. And it's what made me a boss, essentially. Hey guys,
0: I wanted to tell you about something fun that we're doing coming up this fall. Emily and I decided that we wanted to go on vacation to New Orleans, one of our favorite cities in the world. And we thought, wouldn't it be fun if we invited you to come along? Go to beingboss.com NOLA and learn more about taking a vacation with us. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Being Boss from
1: Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like our podcast, show us some love by reviewing Being Boss on iTunes and share it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next
3: week.
0: Amen. Amen. (laughs) Had to get it in there somewhere. So people in our Facebook group have started a drinking game
2: where every time,
0: yeah, every time we say amen, they take a shot or, okay, they said whenever I say, "Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm I know what you're talking about. (laughs) anyway so we had to get the aim yeah no that
3: was really late but good good job we'll (laughs) we'll work on peppering them in a little earlier (laughs) just trying to get our listeners
1: drunk
0: at the very end of the show